It's so easy to get things out of focus. It's just, it's in our nature to do that. So uh, I, I thought of this, just this principle of this concept. Um, I had to go to the BMV to get my license. We were getting ready to fly. My license was expired. I knew that was a big part of being able to get on an airplane and, and having a valid driver's license. And I know with COVID, there's all these rules uh, that they're allowing you to kind of like, uh, like not go in at the right times and stuff like that just because of the COVID restrictions. So I knew it was okay for a while, but then I went over uh, the, 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 uh, the mercy, the, the grace period that they were giving us for that. So I went down and COVID was all different. So they, they have you wrapped around the building, one thing, which was weird. So I'm outside wrapped around the building to get inside. And uh, I was going to do something different because since four years ago when I had my, uh, when I had my license, I had, I had contact. So I was able to go in for the very first time and get uh, my license and not have contacts. It was pretty exciting, you know, to be like, do you need corrective lenses? No, I don't. I had LASIK. So I go up to the machine, and you know they put your, they have you put your head uh, on that thing, and then look into the the scope thing. And so I'm doing that, and uh, she says, "Can you read the bottom line?" And I'm like, uh, "No, I can't." I'm like, my heart sunk. I'm like, I can't read that. She said, "Can you read the next line up?" I said, "I, I can't." She said, "Can you read the top line?" I said, "Ma'am, I can't." And I'm thinking my surgery, all this stuff. I'm like, I'm more blind than I was before. I can't see at all. I could not focus on one. You know, and I'm like so excited about not having corrective lenses for this. And, and, and legitimately, they could have sent me down and said, you cannot have your driver's license. I would have lost my driver's license like in that moment because I couldn't even read the big E at the top. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I said, ma'am, I don't, I, I, I'm not that blind. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I am just stuck in this. I'm like paranoid. I'm like frustrated because this is going on. And she says, wait a minute. She goes, is your screen all steamed up? And I said, oh yeah, it is. From wearing a mask, as soon as I stuck my face down there, it just steamed up the whole thing. And she says, that's been happening a lot. So I just took a tissue, marked it off, I was like, I can see now. <laughs> I had this huge relief that, you know, I wasn't as blinded as I thought. And it's amazing how we can allow things to get in our vision to be able to not see clearly the way that we were meant to see. And I started thinking about COVID in 2020 has been, you know, I know we make jokes about this has been the worst year ever. Uh, there's been a lot of worse that we've had with, you know, just different things that have come up economy and church and, and, and just things that have been just completely just uh, thrown out of proportion from what we normally are used to in things. And so that was, 2020 has not been one of those phrases that we've been excited about. But if you guys remember, 2020 was used a lot at the beginning of the year as a catchphrase of being able to have vision. Churches were using it, ministries, things like that. 2020 vision, we're going to see we're going to open our eyes. We're going to, we're going to have sight. We're going to see forward and, and cast vision for churches and things like that. So it was a different perspective. And, I, and, I, and a lot of people was like, well, and everything that we thought for 2020 was thrown out the window. None of that happened. But I've also thought that maybe 2020 was the year for God to say for us to refocus. You got your eyes off of a lot of things. And I know I've already said this and done this a lot of times. And so if you're, if you're listening in, if you're watching, if you're here in person, I know you're going to sound like this is a broken record. But it's true in every aspect. When it comes to family, when it comes to priority, when it comes to church, a lot of us are like, man, I miss it. 
want to get back, but I think when it comes to missions, and I say that, you know the thing that comes to mind when I say missions? Our church has a mission program. I just, I want to, I want to wipe that off the table right now. I mean, just, and do we have a mission program? Yes, we have a mission program. It is a mission program. But the mission of the church and the mission of the Christian is not a mission program. It's a mission lifestyle. I want to refocus on that. I want to revisit that. I want to, and, and sometimes it can be just so overwhelming because it's almost when it comes to missions, we're thinking of evangelists. We're thinking of missionaries. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's how we view missions. It's wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong for missionaries and you know, evangelists, but I'm saying if we have the mindset that that's what missions is, we've lost it. So take your Bibles out and take your uh, flip to the book of Acts. And it, it's cool because I've already taught through Acts at the beginning of the year. We did a series called Catching Fire, and we, we did it on Acts. And so that was a, a cool thing for us to be able to do. So we're kind of uh, going back and looking at some of the same verses, but from a different perspective. We're going to view these verses from the perspective of, uh, of missions, uh, of the mission. Maybe that's another way to put it. Instead of us saying uh, missions, we should say the mission. That is what we're doing. We're doing the mission that God has given us to do. And, and I'm going to try to do this without like rolling right into what I'm going to preach on Sunday because this is a big part of this as well. But the same thing when it comes to church. A lot of us, if you were to say, what is your church like? We start mentioning the buildings and the landscape and the service style and, you know, like the style of preaching and things like that. But in the Bible, it is totally different. The, the, the Bible describes it a called out group of people that are there to bear each other's burdens. And what we describe the church being and what you read in the Bible is actually totally different. We, we've gotten our focus off of what church is can be the same thing with missions. If you think of missions, you can get all worked up and excited about, man, and you're about to see this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against this. But we think of guest missionaries coming in, special bulletins, you know, back when we had things that we could touch and bulletins and things like that as people were coming in before COVID. We think of decorations. We think of flags. We think of globes being hung on the sand. We think of all that, and it almost becomes a program. It becomes an event, becomes an activity of the church. We can get caught up in these things. I don't want to get caught up in this. And so we get wrapped up in the themes and the songs. The world needs Jesus. And, uh, you know, we, we, we think about uh, when it comes to slogans, who will go? Or, and we've got a slogan that we're going to be using for this year and focusing on the mission of what that is. But has it, has it become a program to us? So I guess I could put it, have we lost focus? Have we lost our passion for people coming to know Christ? And so I want to refocus on this. So starting back at the very beginning, and I think that's how the best way to do it. So if I was going to the very, very beginning of the mission of the evangelism, I'd probably have to go back to Jesus, and I know that. But when Jesus passed that baton on to the disciples, then we have to go back to the beginning of Acts. When we're at the beginning of Acts, we see how they begin to live out what they learned in the four Gospels. So I think that's important. It's not just seeing what Jesus did, but just what Jesus passed on to them. By the way, we do the same thing. We read what Jesus said, and it's passed on to us for us to live. And that's what's going on here. At the beginning of the book of Acts, this is the beginning of the church and the beginning of missions. On this day, there was no ushers, no piano players, no pulpit, no communion trays. There was no bulletins. There was no songbooks. There was no mission flags. There was none of those things. But... I can point to you that they had a mission. 
Look at Acts 2.14, and I'm just going to lay this out as for what it is. Refocusing, getting back to the basic of what this was. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken to my words. With passion, with conviction, with this passionate message that he was doing, this is, he stands before this group of people. So let me, let me make this so simple. You know, instead, it's not about the title of the evangelist. It's not about the title of missionary. So let me, let me give you a new title. This is how it is. The mission begins with just simply forgiven people. That's what the mission is. The, the mission begins with forgiven people. So before anybody sits there that claims Jesus Christ and things and say, well, that is, the, well, I can't wait to hear from the missionaries of what they're going to do. Just start with this. It begins with just people that have been saved. And I, and I know a lot of these things I've pointed out a bunch of times, and I think that's a good thing, that the fact that if we're going to teach on something that you already can say in your mind, I, I know some of the foundational principles of this. This is Peter that denied Jesus three times. This is the one that if he had a forgiveness story, it, it wasn't the ones that excelled. It wasn't the ones that we don't read about their failures at the end. The one that rises up to be the storyteller, to be the evangelist at this moment was the one that messed up. Anyone that has been forgiven is called to the mission of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That, that is what this is about. It's, it's explaining the work of God that's done in their life. And, it, and, and when God does something... Forgiven people ought to be the most excited about sharing how they were forgiven. And, and we can complicate this so much in, in, in like trying to lay out the Romans road. And don't get me wrong, all that is important. But let me show you this in Acts 1.8, when the, verse be, or the chapter before this, when they were explaining, he said, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. I don't, I don't know if we stop and pause on that enough. You shall be witnesses. You talk about what the mission is, is to be witnesses. Witnesses to tell what you've experienced. That's what Peter was doing on the day of Pentecost. He, he was just a forgiven person, and he stands at the pulpit just to say, man, guys, I could, I could tell them how, how my life was changed. I could tell them how I've been changed. It's not just a calling in four years of Bible college. It's, it's somebody that sat around the fire with Jesus saying, hey, I'm not done with you yet. That's what it was. I don't know about any of you guys. If any of you guys, just out of curiosity, if anybody ever been interviewed for something that you eyewitnessed and you were on TV or a newspaper, you were interviewed for something like that. Okay. So I had a weird story. I know a lot of you guys have heard this before. Um, my neighbor shot somebody in my backyard. So that happened a long time ago when, when we lived uh, in this neighborhood. <laughs> so... Um, so I was, I was, I, I didn't live too much, uh, five minutes from here and I'm in my house and I heard what I thought was gunshots. Um, and then Jenny was like, no, I think that's fireworks. And I was like, I know fireworks, man. That sounded more like gunshots. And so I, I, I go to my backyard and I'm standing there. There's just a chain, a four foot tall chain link fence. And I am like, walking back there like, man, I heard something. And I know that was probably dumb. If you hear gunshots, don't go in your backyard. Uh, I'm from Alabama. I don't know better. So, you know, it's like Alabama, you hear gunshots and the neighbor's shooting, uh, you know, a raccoon or something. I mean, you know, it's not a big deal. So I go back there and then I'm standing. I didn't see anything. And then a helicopter flew over and cops started pulling up and they had this big spotlight shining. And I'm looking back there and sure enough, like 
five, six feet from where I was, they go back there and they shine on, on a body laying face down in my backyard and they got, the, the guy was pronounced dead. So that brought out news crews and things like that. And a lot of them were saying, like, were you here? I was, I was inside. And I began to tell my story. I was inside and they said that exact same thing. My wife thought it was fireworks and then we found out that it was a gunshot. Let me tell you how simple it was. I didn't, they didn't say, would you mind putting together a speech together? Would you mind laying out? It was just simply, sir, what did you experience? Just like that. You've got to understand that the great commission of what Jesus is sending them to do was simply that. Why do we complicate this? He was literally saying, Peter was standing before them as a forgiven person saying, hey, I know where I've been and I know how bad I've messed up and a lot of you guys have too, but let me tell you something good. That was the great commission. And, 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 and that word right there, to be a witness, literally means just to tell, explain, testify for what you've experienced. So if anybody's going to say, I'm not qualified, let me tell you, if you've been forgiven, you are qualified for the mission that God has called us to do. You're qualified. Because at some point in your life, you experienced Jesus Christ. You encountered Jesus Christ, and that changed your life. And whatever that story is, is a great starting point to tell other people about what you experienced. It's that simple. It's not a title. It's not about being pastor. It's not about a four-year degree. It's not about how long you've grown up in Sunday school. It's Imagine standing in front of this crowd of people that cheered on the Roman soldiers as they crucified Jesus. And I'll explain that as we get into this. And then the boldly preach Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you guys, it is a fearful thing. It may be a fearful thing to stand before somebody and preach and share the gospel because people are deny it or that they think you're a radical weirdo. And, you know, I, we, we, we all can be honest and say, I mean, that's what it's like. I, I don't know what to say and things like that. But it's amazing when God does something in your heart and it stirs you up, you can boldly tell what God has done for you. Boldly tell what God has done for you. Now, now some of you are going to look at me and say, you're, you're kind of like a hypocrite with this because of the fact is I don't have this story of coming out of drugs and going through rehab. And I know a lot of people, when they talk about being a witness of what God has done, that's what it has to be. Can I tell you guys, can I just bear witness to you what God did for me? You're going to say, I know your story. Let, let me tell you my story. I grew up around church so much that I couldn't see Jesus. That's my story. I went to Sunday school. I memorized the books of the Bible, saying the book, not all the contents, but the books of the Bible forward and backwards, literally. We had a competition in our youth group who could memorize the books of the Bible forward and backwards. I knew the Romans Road. I knew all of that. But it wasn't until one night while I was sitting in a service that during that time I heard the message that opened my eyes in such a way the gospel penetrated my heart in such a way that helped me to realize that I was lost. I remember the response that I had. I remember how it affected my heart. I remember so much that I was in a row of teenagers crying like a baby. I'm not an emotional person. I don't cry easily. I remember not being able to hold back tears I remember pushing through that crowd of teenagers to get to the aisle to go talk to somebody. I remember that person meeting me, and this is what they said. They said, are you lost, or do you need to be saved? And I said, I don't know, because I've lived my whole life as a Christian. I don't know why I'm standing here. And he said, well, I know you're not standing here by accident. Obviously, God did something in your heart to bring you this. And I said, I have no peace. 
I have no peace. I, I don't have what everybody else has of being able to say, if I died, that I'd go to heaven. I didn't have that. And in that moment, because of the fact is that I was responding to something that was more than a pastor. It was more than a religious ceremony. It was more than just a song being sung at the end of the service. Something happened in that moment that moved my heart to make me see that something was missing in my life. And I responded to it. And let me tell you, I am here today as a pastor because of what God did in that moment in my life. I have a story And I didn't crawl out of a ghetto to get it. I was just lost in a church building. I was lost going through vacation Bible school and having a wall that was filled with trophies from Awana. But I was still as lost as anybody else. Can I tell you guys, there's people that need to hear me tell that story. Because there's people that are just like me that need to hear it. And I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing the mission when I hold back from God. I'm not doing that because he said, I want you just to bear witness that you were lost and you were forgiven. And all of a sudden, I realized that the the mission of God starts with just forgiven people. So here it is. If you are forgiven here today, or you're watching online and you say that I am saved and I know that, then your job is to bear witness of what God has done in your life. And that's where the mission begins. So thank God that we're going to have people here on Sunday that are going to talk about going all over the world and the things that they've done. Praise God for that. But your neighbor needs to know how you were lost and how you were saved in a church building as much as the people in Africa need to know that a statue is not going to save them. See what happened on this day. The mission began with just somebody that was forgiven. But look in Acts 2, verse 22. He says this. He said, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Here he is, this forgiven guy. <laughs> Peter, that was a mess up. And he goes before them. He's like, guys, I'm probably the most qualified to do this. And like, you've messed up. I know. That's what they need to hear. Because I'm talking in front of a bunch of mess ups. D- don't over-spiritualize this. People need to know that you're just a real person that was just like them. That you have a story of a past that was messed up. Okay? So it begins with, with the forgiven people, but the mission is simply sharing good news. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, what is, what is the gospel? What, is, what would you define the gospel at? The gospel is literally the definition of good news. So look, look at what Peter does on this thing. This is so cool. Now in verse 23, he is telling them what they did to Jesus. And I love at the end of it, it says, you, you've taken him and by wicked hands, you've crucified and slain him. Now, I don't know about you. If I'm sitting there and they're like, well, first of all, I didn't do that because there was people from all over the place. But in reality of our sin, that we've all done that. That, that, is, that is what we're talking about. We've all sinned for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That, that, that is the reality of what's going on. He said this. You talk about going up before them. He says, you, you took the Son of God. You placed him on trial. He was innocent. You beat him. You murdered him. And he died. You're all guilty. You talk about a message of what's going on. It's, it's just, that's what's going on here. It's, he's telling the message of the gospel. It's, it's bad news. Now, with this, l- l- let me tell you, you're talking to somebody and the, the gospel just rolls into this. 
I know, I'm, I'm, I'm making this so simple that a lot of you are going to be like, wow, that just was like kindergarten stuff. I'm okay with you thinking that because if we, had a, if we would grab the kindergarten stuff, we could really change the world. For being so basic, why aren't we doing it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, we all know this. Okay, then why aren't we doing this? The world should be on fire with the gospel right now. So why aren't we doing this? Because I really think it is the program mindset. So here it is, Peter just telling his story. And, and we, all have a, we all have a story. I told you my story. But let me tell you the rest of the story. Here's the good news. And, and I, I think this is cool. Have you ever delivered something by telling somebody, I've got good news and bad news? You know what I'm saying? You do that and then you say, well, what do you want to hear first? Well, Peter didn't give them the choice with this, but that's what's going on. He said, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is, I'm just going to start with this. We're all sinners. We're all lost. And, and not that somebody's going to come up to you and start the gospel presentation off with that, but that's actually how it begins. It's like, just, just open up conversation, dialogue with somebody. Like, how are things going? Not good. I'm not going to get into it, but to be honest, my wife and I are probably close to splitting up. I'm not testifying right now. I'm just using the illustration. I did that one time and somebody came up and said, oh, I'm so, and I was like, no, I was just using an illustration. So don't get freaked out, okay? I know this is Facebook Live and everything. It's like, but you know, they, they, they come back and testify. It's like, yeah, we're going through a hard time. Or, or, or I'm, I'm telling you that with the economy, I've been out of work and things are not good. Being, being able to start with the idea of something being wrong in somebody's life is not a bad thing because I tell you, because sin came into the world, we have corruption and things are wrong. Say, well, I don't know where God is. And I'll tell you where God is. And you begin to say, this isn't God's plan. Man, sin from the very beginning brought corruption into this world. And because of that, everything that Satan does tries to divide us. Then tell your story. Just tell your story. Man, I think Christians need to be honest. Tell that person. And then a time in your life before I met Christ, to be honest, I grew up in a Christian home. And there was times that I thought my wife and I were not going to make it. You're kidding me. Why? I would have never thought that about it. Yeah, but here's the rest of the story. Because remember, it's good news, bad news. Here's the good news. Verse 24, whom the God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. See, Peter goes on to say, yes, you did this. Guys, you were wicked. Your wicked hands crucified Jesus Christ. He nailed him to the cross. You are guilty of this. But hey, let me tell you the rest of the story. Death could not hold him. Jesus didn't stay down. That's not the end of the story. And let me say, I know that we get so wrapped up in the Christian dialogue of this. You've been redeemed and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is totally true. But for a lost person, they have no idea what you're saying. They have no clue. But can I explain this in layman's terms? You messed up. Your marriage is messed up. Maybe they're going to tell you about, man, I've been struggling and I go home and drink every night and I can't, I can't stop. Man, they're going to, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the bad news and everybody knows I'm a sinner and, and I've messed up and I have faults in my life. We're, we're familiar with that. But the good news, when Jesus came out of the grave, even though they did something that was wrong and they're wrong, crucified Jesus, three days later he came out of the grave to prove that no matter how bad you messed up, our God is greater. That's the gospel story. That's what he was saying. Hey, you guys crucified him. And they're like, oh, you know. But no, 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 don't stop there. He didn't stay dead. 
Literally, the grips of hell and death and sin was not powerful to keep Jesus down. And because of that, Jesus came out of the grave and he's alive today. And he loves you. It is a powerful thing to give the message the fact that no matter how bad you've messed up, the love of God and the salvation of God is greater than whatever you've done. That is the gospel. But I think sometimes we've complicated. I'm asking you guys to kind of like clean off the, 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 the viewfinder there so we can visually see what the gospel is and our mission is so clearly to see what is this, what's going on. God is greater is the gospel. The gospel means that God is greater than any of your mistakes. God is greater than your past. When Peter was saying, I can testify and I can tell you, you guys are all guilty of this, but let me tell you, God came out of the grave and it gets better because of this. He said it was impossible that, that it could hold him down. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I'm I'm just reading this through this. You guys got to understand, this was a hard crowd. This was not an easy thing. Peter stood there that day and just testified. He gave them the truth. He, He just delivered the simple message of good news and the mission next is just leading people to answers. I know I'm just bringing this down to like our, our level that's easy to understand, but that's what's going on. They're literally saying then saying, I get this, but what do we do? The world today is absolutely starving for answers. How can I fix my life? What is my purpose? What is right and what is wrong? And who really knows what's right and wrong? Is there hope for me to get my marriage back together? Is there hope if if the economy falls apart? If there's scared to death about who's going to get into office and all these other things? People have so many questions. And I love how simple this is. Men and brethren, what what do we do? Because I don't understand where to take it from this. And then in verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. You guys want to know, when we talk about the commission or the mission or missions, of the church it's just simply taking what you have found because you have been forgiven yourself and understanding that you have truth and answers and then it's just turning and passing it on to the next person that's missions it's giving them answers because you have the answers because in a world today that is so lost they don't have answers and they're they're asking so many questions here they are all these people from all these different nations and you got to imagine as the bible describes if you go back in acts 2 it describes from all the different dialects and all the different nationalities that were represented there and every man heard in their own language and that was the work of the spirit of god of allowing them to hear in their own tongue it was a powerful thing that happened but i'll tell you what they walked away with that the spirit of god used peter on that day to give them what they were looking for and the world is looking for answers they're crying out for answers people just want truth I know we sit there and get upset and say people don't want to hear it anymore. I think what they don't want to hear anymore is just religion, the, 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 just come to church, you need to be in church, your life will be changed in church. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, those are all great things. I think, I think you should be inviting people to church, but what they need more than that is answers. And let me tell you, if you start starting conversations with people, you're going to be amazed at how much they're craving just to know the truth. And maybe in the back of their mind, they're thinking that I've messed up too big or I was in church or I, one big sin that they're thinking of. I got 
pregnant out of wedlock, or I, I went to jail for a couple of years, or I was arrested for doing this, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's all sorts of things, and Satan will speak to their mind lies that they'll never get over that. But the truth of the gospel breaks through that. Verse 41, then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This, this is the power of God. It's unexplainable. Because the fact is, in our, in our way of doing things, we could not normally see that happen. Guys, that is beyond what we could do. The gospel, when we obey the gospel and we do these things, let me tell you guys, it is miraculous. It, is, it baffles people's minds. It, it catches people's attention. The love of God is amazing. We sing about that amazing grace and that amazing love, but it is absolutely amazing when you take people that are going through a hard time and you take what the Bible describes as the light and you shine it in the darkness and help them to see, it is, it is life-changing. We hold up Jesus Christ and it is life-changing. So the mission begins with forgiven people. The mission is simply sharing good news. The mission is leading people to answers. The mission happens through obedience. You guys get this? That all of this that we see, this miraculous story that we read of, is just because they knew it and he did it? Then you say, I don't understand how you're pulling that out of this passage. If you were to just go back just a little bit, you're going to find in John 21, verse 16, which is the last chapter before we get into the book of Acts, the story of what Jesus is calling him to do. Now, this is where we can go through, Mar or through October and like really emphasize changing the world and see people come to know Christ and all the things that we're going to do, but it all comes down to this point right here. It really does. I can tell you that um, Peter was an evangelist. Peter was an apostle. Peter was a preacher. Let me tell you what made the difference is Peter was obedient. Jesus is sitting on the shoreline. This is after Peter messed up. Peter goes fishing. Jesus calls him to the shoreline. He sits down with him and he says this. And he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. I, I, isn't it funny how we complicate things? Jesus was like, you know how animals are there and they're hungry? Just give them what they're missing. Give, give them the word, give them what you've learned, and just share it. Feed my sheep. And Peter, standing on that day, he was like, hey, this is the sheep that God was talking about. I think I'm going to just share this with what they're talking. I'm just going to do this. It's so easy to get distract, distracted in life because we view missions as a program. I don't, I don't want to view what we're doing over the next few weeks as a program or a theme but getting back to understanding that this is my mission. This is what I do. This is what I was created for. This is what pleases God. This is where I find satisfaction. This is where I find purpose. It's not just global. And guys, I think sometimes in, in some of the things that you're going to see on Sunday, that the way that we've kind of changed the graphics of what we're doing for missions is it's not all about globes because people in our own neighborhoods are going to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. And I have good news to tell them that can change all of that. In Acts 1.8, when he was saying, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. We just studied what that is. You shall bear witness of these things unto me both. And it says right there in Jerusalem. And, and I know you've heard this before. That is the same equivalent of us saying in Columbus, Ohio. 
Is it world missions? Yes. But it's just simply sharing the good news right where you're at. So I'm, I'll challenge you guys this. Everybody watching online right now and everybody sitting right here. When's the last time you start, started or struck up a conversation with somebody just randomly with the objective of leading it to the gospel? Think about it. I'll tell you, that convicts me. You know one of the reasons why that convicts me so much? Because my life is filled with Christians. And you say, well, you're a pastor. I hope so. <laughs> you know, it is. My life is filled with Christians. All around me. I've got to change that. I mean, it's wonderful that I get to be with you guys, but I am, I'm strategically going out of my way. So we had, we had the blood drive here a week and a half ago at the church. And uh, I go in there as just a normal person. I didn't go in there as Pastor Tony. I had no tags on it. You know, I didn't have a name tag. Nothing like that. Go in there. And I just sat in a row of people. And there's a guy next to me. And I'm just like, hey, how are you? I'm good. So do you often give blood? And it's like, you know, anytime I can. But, you know, we struck up a conversation. And, and it wasn't hard. I just said, you know, we just started doing this at our church because it's a great way to minister to the needs of people. And he said, man, I love that. Because the needs are so great. And if more people would do that. And I, and I say, well, you know, and I just, and, and before long, we're having a conversation. And he did go to church. And he was telling me his story and things like that. But I didn't know his story without me just striking up a conversation intentionally to tell him good news. That, that is what, because you say, who are you? You're the pastor, that's true. But I'm just somebody that met Jesus and I'm forgiven. And I'm somebody that sat in a pew one day, lost as can be, blinded by religion, and I have a story to tell. It's just obedience. Guys, Peter, Jesus just said, Peter, I need you to do this. And Peter was just looking for every opportunity that he did. How many people do we pass that you could just start a conversation and you say, well, I've done that a bunch of times and it just shuts down. Let me tell you this, you never know how God's going to bring it full circle. I, I can tell you guys so many times that God's opened doors for me thinking that I didn't get very far. I just, uh, th- this past Sunday, I went through a drive-thru and, and the, the, the lady at the, the, the window was sitting there and she, she just turns to me and she looks at me funny and she walks away, she comes back over and she goes, are your, is your name Luzio or something like that? And, and I'm like, yeah. She goes, you pastor a church. And I say, yes, I do. And she goes, I know your church. And she starts talking. We had this conversation. And, and it was just cool to be able to bring that invitation full, full circle and say, hey, I'd love to see you come back. All around us, every single day of our life, it's there. It's just being obedient to letting God work through these things. But let, let, me, let me wrap it up with one last thing. Because I want to get to the end of this, because we're, we're talking globally, which is cool. Jerusalem, but even Acts 1-8 is a global vision. But let me show you how this happens, but differently. I'm refocusing. I, not themes and banners, but missional, mindset, thinking. Verse 42, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. That's just the Christian thing to do. But notice how it changes in verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. Parted them to everybody. And every man had need. See, the mission is forgiving people. It's sharing good news. It is, it is giving people answers. It happens through obedience. But let me just drive this home. It expands through personal sacrifice. It is when... It gets so much in you 
that you realize that this is more important than anything else. And you think about how radical this is. Now, now I know we read this and we kind of label it as verse 45, but verse 45 was life-changing for a lot of people. So let's, let's just back up. What did 40, verse 45 look like if, in our modern day thing? To be able to go out and see people and say, hey guys, um, we have a new family here and they're struggling and they were just kicked out of their house and they said a lot of it was probably came from the persecution of the, what's going on in the church and, and people losing their homes. And Saul in, in chapter 26 begins to testify, yeah, I burned down houses and I chased people out and I destroyed buildings and I did all that because I thought I was doing good. That was happening to them. But you know what God's people did? They gave up what they had to be able to expand the ministry that they were doing. So when we talk about missions and talk about giving to missions, I, I, I don't want to just lean all towards that saying it's a card that you fill out for a commitment because obviously generosity is a key to missions. And, and I'll say that. A key to missions is generosity. And it just absolutely is. But at the same time, it is obedience to open your mouth to the person next to you as well. It goes both ways. It says they sold their possessions and their goods and parted them unto all men as every man had need. But if you notice, it doesn't just say the Christians or the believers. It says that they just gave what they had and they raised the funds to meet the needs of everybody around them. It's generosity. Generosity is a way that we demonstrate love. Giving is a demonstration of love. Imagine this happening in the city. No, imagine that happening in our city, in our culture. Where all of a sudden... People are looking at us going, why are you doing that? Man, why, why are you giving of yourself? Why is, I, I, I've never seen this. This is not what we were expecting out of a church. And uh, let me skip forward a little bit. This grew. The gospel was spreading through their passion, their love, their sacrifice, their generosity, them sharing, them being obedient, them talking to people, them having boldness. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. This obedience spread. It became part of their DNA. It became part of their life. It wasn't a program. It was just what they did. It's what they did. And by the time we get to Acts 8.8, 8, it says, and there was great joy in that city. It's incredible. This is, this is how it started. I mean, it was just so simple. It was... A forgiven guy going in front of lost people that, that they were expecting the bad news and then he turned around and gave them good news about, yeah, you did mess up, but let me tell you, he came out of the grave to show that he conquered whatever you did wrong. You killed him. He, he, rose, he rose above that. And because of that, I, I have the answers to tell you what life is about and what must we do? What, what are we supposed to do? And Peter said, here's the answer, that you've got to change your ways. As a result of this, it began to spread and God began to do great things and it began to expand because they were obedient to that. I, I'm excited about missions, but I, I almost want to throw out the word program. <laughs> I do. I don't want it to be a mission program. I, I want it to be in our hearts and our minds. I want to see stories of life change. I, I want to see... People walking through the door of the church and saying, hey, I met this guy at Walmart and I don't know why we just struck up a conversation and he, he, he wants no more and I brought him here today. Or, or somebody say, man, I have the coolest thing happening right now because my neighbor keeps asking me questions. Because that is what we do. So Sunday, we're going to hear some cool stuff about people doing things in other places. 
But the mission starts in your heart when we refocus our minds and our hearts on what God is calling you to do. Because the mission is not just corporate. The mission is individual. This is our mission. This is what we do. If we're feeling unfulfilled and empty in life and saying, what's the point in in spinning our wheels? It's because we've gotten our eyes off of what matters most in life. 